What do you want for your life? What is the ideal scenario? And under the money one, I said the ideal scenario is that I never make a decision based on do I have enough money? I make the decision based off of is this the right decision? whether it's for the animal or the vehicle or the vacation or whatever. Welcome to the Podcast Launchpad, where you'll learn the tools you need to use your podcast to be a go-to expert in your field, expand your audience, and get more clients. I'm your host, Kelly. Enjoy the show. Early on in my business, I wasted so much time trying to figure everything out on my own about how to run a coaching business. I had a life coach, but not a business coach. So I took what I knew from business school and read everything I could get my hands on, but I was still struggling. Then I wasted money spending $20 here, $20 there on all of these little eBooks, not realizing at the time that most of them were paid lead magnets for high ticket programs. And they told me what I needed to do, but not how to do it. I kept struggling and stressing out until I finally hired a business coach. She was able to tell me what to do and how to do it, and that ended up being a really good solution for me. I am really excited to chat with today's guest because we're going to talk about how the undisciplined use of time and money creates stress in our business and in our podcast journey. Miriam Gunn has fostered growth in others since 1985 as a mentor, a licensed therapist, and a certified coach. Currently, she's passionate about helping businesses and high performers become successful so they can add their influence to this amazing world we share. Her company, LeaveBetter.com, is dedicated to stopping your self-sabotage so you can win in business and life. Miriam is also the host of the Leave Better podcast. Welcome, Miriam. I am so happy you're here today. Oh, my goodness, Kelly. Thank you. What a nice introduction. That just makes me feel like we're going to have an incredible conversation. It's I a privilege so. to be here. Oh, thank you so much. I am sure we're going to have a great conversation. So tell us a little about your background and why you decided to become a coach. Well, I, I mean, if I go way, way back, I was mentoring university students, um, and did that for about 25 years. And in the context of that, so many times they needed a therapist and I would join them and go with them to therapy or help them figure it out. This was before therapy was a thing. And at a certain point I said, why don't I get this degree? When I got the degree, I found out that there were two kinds of clients. There were clients who were interested in, I don't wanna be harsh, but maybe, wallowing a little bit like they weren't necessarily interested in moving forward they were interested in kind of staying the same and having somebody listen then there was this other kind of person who was extremely interested in moving forward and i felt like my therapeutic techniques were good really good i had a good education but i look at therapy as let's look back and figure out where we got off our path and let's fix some of that stuff back there. And I look at coaching as let's look forward to where we want to go and land. And so at that point, I got a certification in um, coaching, began working with people, loved it, and found out that the people I liked the most to work with were entrepreneurs because entrepreneurs know how to take action, which really is at the heart of coaching. Then at that point, I got another certification in business coaching specifically, 
just so I could better serve the business owners I was working with. And I don't know if that's too long of an answer, but that's how I got into coaching. That's fantastic. So we're talking today about how the undisciplined use of time or money creates stress in our business and podcast journey. So would you give us some examples of the undisciplined use of time or money or other resources? Sure. Let's let's go with two versions of the undisciplined use of time, and then I'll bounce into the money space. There is the undisciplined use of time that creates issues, negative issues for the person, like they're just not good at leaving margin, or they have a magical thinking about what can be done in five minutes. Usually what can be done in five minutes is not a four-point list. So the 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 five-point list can't be done in five minutes. But if you just say, I'm not going to try and do any of those things. I'm going to get my keys. I'm going to get my things. I'm going to sit in the car for 10 seconds and think, did I leave anything at home before you zip out of the driveway to do your stuff? That's a space that really helps people not get frantic. When you're frantic, you're secreting adrenaline and cortisol, and now you're missing stuff. You're not driving as well or whatever, or you're in a meeting and you're not thinking clearly. So that's a space where an undisciplined use of time like pulls you down. But then there's an undisciplined use of time where you're already doing well, but you could do better. And I think that comes down to the sort of space where you maybe on Sunday look at your week and you plan out your week and then maybe you batch things. Like, for example, uh, today we're recording on a Monday, which is really unusual for me. Normally, I only do podcast things Thursday afternoons and Tuesday afternoons and Thursday afternoons. And that way my brain knows this is what we're doing. And when I schedule other things, I schedule them in other places. This is a rare exception. I wanted to make this uh, interview happen. When you batch your time, and I'm going to bounce back also and say the undisciplined use of time, am I doing responsibly, not responsibly, but responsively with a V, what it is I'm setting out to do? Or am I doing reactionarily what they, whoever it is they out there, are asking me to do? So I try not to get into my email until midday. I try to work on my big projects in the morning. I work on my email and I have my all my scheduled, whether they're coaching appointments or podcast interviews in the afternoon. And my brain knows this is how my schedule is blocked out. This is where I am going to put my energy. And then I don't waste a bunch of time trying to figure out the, the decision making. Am I going to do this or this? I've got a list of 12 things. Which things are, am I going to do? That's what I would say regarding time. And I'll pause if you want to say something and then mm -hmm. I'll jump into money. That makes so much sense what you're saying. And I don't remember the exact number, but another guest months ago, said something about it takes 20, is it 23 minutes when you're working on something, if you just get distracted and go do something else and try to come back to what you were doing, that it takes that long to get refocused or to get focused at all on something else. Is, is that right? I know. Yeah, was, that's it, what I've heard. Yeah. So I have tried to, when I'm working on something, focus only on that 
turn off my email, not looking at texts or anything. And it has really helped me get better at time management and staying focused and even getting into flow. Yeah, I would agree. It's so difficult these days to have uninterrupted time. And our social media and everything just sends us in a direction of check this, check this, check this. And I've noticed even in myself, when I hit a roadblock, immediately my uh, my pull is to go check my phone or flip on my phone or go up and get a snack or whatever. It's like, oh, I hit something that's hard. Let's interrupt what I'm doing. And I have to kind of coach myself and say, hang on, put that down, push on this a little bit. You can do it. You can get through this. Just stay focused. Take a break in 10 minutes after you accomplish this next little thing. Mm -hmm. So when should, before we get into the money part, when should we take a break then? I've heard a lot of research say a variety of things. Some people will say 90 minutes. Some people will say 50 minutes. Mm -hmm. I think there are um, these, you know, various programs that say X many minutes on and X many minutes off. And this is my opinion, but I would say work with what worked well with your brain. So one of the programs I had been reading X amount of research, 110 minutes on, and 15 or 12 minutes off. Mm -hmm. And I set timers for that. And I was like, you know what? My brain wants to be done at 50 minutes. Mm -hmm. I've spent my whole life, if you look at like elementary school, junior high, high school, college, your classes were always 50 minutes until, you know, recently they started doing these 90-minute Tuesday, Thursdays, or these three-hour evening classes. Yeah. My brain wants to stop at 50 minutes. So why don't I let it? I'm going to waste the next little bit anyway. So I will often set an alarm for 50 minutes and then I'll take 10 minutes and I'll do something. I live on a little farm and so I will go out and check on something. I'll go look for eggs or I'll put fly masks on animals or I'll just take a quick walk around the yard and then get some sunshine and then come right back in and do another 50 minutes. That's what works for me. But I think Sounds you have great. to know yourself. Mm -hmm. I haven't done that before, like setting an alarm, because I don't want to break the flow if I am caught up in something. Yes. But I hear what you're saying about when something gets hard, instead of saying, well, I'm just going to go take a break. And instead trying to push through, or, or let, let me rephrase that and say like stretch yourself, give yourself a little extra time to work through it. I will have to check myself on that because I, I think I am prone to saying, well, I'll just take a break. And yeah. maybe I haven't spent enough time on it. Yeah. I, again, I think it comes down to knowing yourself. If you're the kind of person who can get into flow and stay in flow and go two or three hours, my goodness, do it. Mm -hmm. um, if you're the kind of person whose brain gets fatigued and you need a 10-minute break and then you come back with like more vigor and the ability to think creatively again, then do that. I, mm. I do think that we are in the habit of maybe taking direction from one outside of ourselves. This might be part of the social media thing. We've got influencers say it's the way to be successful and we're all trying to be successful, but there also is a deep knowing inside yourself that sometimes says, I just need a break. Give yeah. me a break and I will go back to working, yeah. you know? 
Very true. So let's yeah. talk about uh, time. Uh, sorry, money. Undisciplined use money. of money. As a therapist, I can tell you that the things that people fight about the most are money and sex. Mm-hmm. And as a coach, I can tell you, as a business coach, I can tell you that if you get yourself into a space where you don't have enough money to cover your expenses, the stress is through the roof. Like it's just visceral because it's not just you that you're in charge of now. If you're a company that has team members, employees, now you're looking at other people's lives and the the stress is astronomical. And sadly, it's not uncommon when business owners get into this space where they cannot cover their expenses, they, they get suicidal and some of them actually even take their life. And I'm here to say nothing is worth that. All these problems can be worked out no matter how many zeros are after that number. But I'm going to say, you know, dialing this way back to a much smaller space I really encourage people to get into the habit of really understanding their finances and understanding what they're doing with their money. There are so many people who are unaware and they just sort of spend, they, you know, if they feel like it, they sort of have a general idea. And if there's money in the bank, it's like everything's good. Mm-hmm. I, I have found across my lifetime that there are lumpers and splitters and the lumpers Look at the bank account, and if there's X amount in it, they're fine. And the splitters split off into several different bank accounts. I personally am a splitter, and so this is going to be splitting advice. But, you know, having a formal budget as an individual and as a company, then having that budget as an individual, it's very easy to have, like, separate accounts with separate debit cards and I only have two. I'm not like, I mean, I have a whole lot more accounts than that. I have two debit cards mm-hmm. and one is business, one is personal. But then out of the money, whether it's the business money or the personal money, money is shunted off into these other categories automatically. So I have a bank account for vacations and money is automatically withdrawn. I don't have to think about it. I had to set it up once. And like I said, I'm on a farm, so I have animals, so I have an animal emergency fund, I have a vehicle fund, I have a health fund. And when the money goes in initially, it's automatically pulled out on such and such a date. I don't have to think about it. But then when uh, one of my animals needed a, it was an emergency surgery, it was $1,200, I didn't bat an eye. I just Mm. said, yeah, that's fine. Do, Do what you need to do to save her life. And it wasn't stressful. But when you don't have that money in those accounts, it's extremely stressful. And I made, this was years ago, I went through and set up in my own life these different categories of relationships and friendships and occupation and finances and health and whatever these categories are that you figure out what do you want for your life? What is the ideal scenario. And under the money one, I said the ideal scenario is that I never make a decision based on do I have enough money. I make the decision based off of is this the right decision, Mm -hmm. whether it's for the animal or the vehicle or the vacation or whatever. Is this the right decision for my life based on a whole bunch of other principles? Mm -hmm. So then I ask the question, how do I set myself up for that? And the way you set yourself up for it is similar to time, 
you can be reactionary with your money and just deal with things as they come, or you can be proactive and responsive and set it up ahead of time. So that's a lot of words, but the principle's the same, whether it's you're an individual or whether you're a business, it's just at a different scale. And when you're looking at businesses, the question really becomes, is my overhead exceeding my cash flow? And if it is, you're going to be uber stressed out and your business isn't going to do well. Right. So with both time and money, and you already mentioned some tips or solutions here, but I'd like to get in and see if you have some more. But the main thing that you're saying so far is being proactive with both Mm -hmm. so that you don't get into that. You don't get to that point of feeling stressed. Yes. I'm a, I'm a big fan of it is easier to stay not stressed than it is to talk yourself off the ledge, mm-hmm. you know, whatever's causing the ledge. This is intuitive with time and not as intuitive with money, but people are amazingly willing to be in the dark. They actually don't know what's going on. I was talking to someone the other day regarding some of his businesses, and I said, uh, what what is this business? And he said, I don't know. A buddy was telling me to do it and I did it and I put in X amount and, you know, he's just taking care of it. And it it's a business that's making him an enormous amount of money. And he has no idea even what it is. Like once entrepreneurs get to a certain level, they start spinning off these businesses here, there and wherever. I know another entrepreneur who lost, I want to say, I don't remember if this was in a quarter or in a month, but it was like $17,000 one quarter or month. Then later, $13,000 one quarter or month, mostly because he didn't have enough time to check his emails and figure out who was supposed to be doing what. It was entirely avoidable. All he had to do was basically hire someone else to stay on top of that. And he had the resources to do it. He just didn't get around to the organizational space to do it. He was running so fast, fulfilling the business that he wasn't working on the business. And I I guess what I would say for individuals or business owners, and I, I would say most are pretty good at having a general idea, but they are not good at having maybe like a quarter by quarter idea of what is happening with our revenue, what is happening with our profit, what is happening with our products, which product is making us the most money, which products do we need to triage, and which ones do we need to basically accelerate going with that 80-20 rule. Mm. That's on the business side. On the personal side, it's crazy how many people have high, high credit card debt And what's fascinating about it is it creates so much anxiety that they won't open the statements, whether it comes electronically or in paper, and they avoid it. And then they, of course, make the problem worse, which gives them worse anxiety. And it's a very, very negative feedback loop. So open your statements, create a plan, take action. Don't put your head in the sand. That makes a lot of sense. Also with when you're mentioning like re, in the in business, really look at your products or let's throw in your services. I would add and see which ones are costing money. Like 
So if it's a course, you know, so I have a course and community and it, I paid like for the year for the platform where I hosted, but a lot of people would pay monthly for that. And so you would need to look at, for example, the revenue that's generated versus what your monthly payments are, the annual payments are for it, things like that. And is it self-sustaining? Are you generating profits from it? So is it worth boosting it? You know, do you need to promote it more or do you need to start letting it go? Uh, you know, not just let it peter out, but actually, call, you know, have it come to a conclusion or things like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah. Being active in the decision making process rather than being passive and letting just the currents of life float you down the river. It's an interesting space because when people get too overwhelmed, they stop taking the vital signs of their life or their business. And that's where these problems, you know, creep up. If you are in the habit of at the bare minimum quarterly looking at these things and assessing and saying, is, is this going where I want it to go? If not, why not? And what do I need to tweak? What do I need to add? What do I need to take away? I just think so many people are not doing a proper job of assessing the vital signs of their life or their mm -hmm. business. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So one thing I just thought of, would this be considered another resource that we may not be making great use of? And that would be uh, team members, you know, whether it's someone we've hired full time or a virtual assistant, where, again, we may not be making best use of them. We're not giving them enough to do or we're not providing proper guidance. Would that count? I think here? so. I think you're saying as, as a form of a resource. Right. Yes. Yeah. I see that happening often. A lot of times, and it's never anyone's intention, those assistants or team members aren't given, you know, those maybe tasks in part because the CEO or the owner doesn't have enough clarity around them. Like you have to have a system that you can communicate to someone and uh, I remember hearing moms say this when they were in therapy, and I've heard CEOs and owners say the same thing. Oh, it's so much easier just to do it myself. I don't have time to teach someone how to do this. And it is easier in the short term. They're, you know, it's going to be done right. And, you know, there's truth to that statement. But in the long term, you absolutely cannot grow. You become your own bottleneck and you burn yourself out. But teaching someone else to do it is a bit of a process and you have to be willing to put up with the mess a little bit and also have some iterations around all of that because everybody's learning. Yeah. And creating a standard operating procedure really helps then with training someone, you know, when you create it for yourself, especially like if you're starting out as a solo entrepreneur or a small business before you really grow, creating those systems, the standard operating procedures enable you to teach someone else how to do it. I mean, Absolutely. so even like as a mom, let's say teaching your kid how to load the dishwasher, well, you know how you like it done. That's your standard operating procedure. 
That's right. So you're you're teaching that to your kid. You could even write it down. That's yeah. right. Are the handles up or are the handles down? It's a pain in the ass. <laughs> Fun <laughs> to write it down. But then the kid has something to refer to because in our business, we would write it down. We'd put it in a spreadsheet. We could make a video for someone yeah. we're training. Mm-hmm. But yeah, as parents, we, you know, we don't even think about doing that for our kid. But so do you have any other suggestions for us or any other tips? What you shared was really great. I do know that there is kind of a social contagion. If you hang around people who are chronically late, you will be chronically late. And if you hang around people who are punctual, you will become at least more punctual. If you hang around people who spend money without any sort of sense of, is this in my budget or I'm saving for something, you will become a spender. Who you hang around with really influences what you do because we're social creatures we have this thing in our in our brain, actually on the back of our retina, we have these mirror neurons and, and also within our brain that cause us to mirror what we see in other people. So if I smile, you smile. And if I get angry and hostile, you have to work really hard to not get reactive. And if I'm spending money like crazy, you're going to be tempted to buy, you know, something that you might not have done on your own. Mm -hmm. So I guess I would say to people, pay attention to who you're hanging around with. Pay attention to what it is you want and start looking for people who are also doing that. And, you know, sometimes that means reading books by people who are doing that, following people in social media who like espouse these ideas. They don't have to necessarily be in your physical presence, but you have to put some inputs in that encourage you to make the behavior change. And then you reduce, like I have a friend who spends a lot of money on things I would never spend money on. And when I hang out with her, I always end up spending more money. I don't have to get rid of the friend. I just have to stop going places with her. We go on a ton of walks. It works out just fine. Mm. And I have another friend who's incredibly healthy in what she does. I go to lunch with her because Mm. she orders healthy stuff and she reinforces what I'm trying to do in my life. Yeah, that makes sense. So it's not even peer pressure. Other people don't even have to be telling us to do something. It's, I feel like it's they're giving us permission to do something. Even if we're not conscious of wanting to do it, it's like once that impulse hits us, oh, well, again, all this subconsciously, and I'm speculating, but well, they do it. And even if we see this behavior on TV, oh, well, they're off spending all that money. It must be okay. And other behaviors. But when we're talking about spending. Yeah. Yeah. Surround yourself with people who are better at what you want to become and you will become it. That makes sense. Wonderful. Something to strive for. Awesome. So let's talk a bit about your podcast, the Leave Better podcast. What made you decide decide to start a podcast? Oh, my gosh. Well, I mean, I was, I mean, to be honest, I was a little bit jaded with the kind of conversations I was happening. I live in kind of a remote area. And I just made the decision I wanted to have 
engaging conversations with people doing extraordinary things. And I thought, well, I'm really interested in self-development. I'd like to magnify my voice and get, you know, away from the one-to-one and get more into the one-to-many. And I thought, I'm going to win either way, because even if nobody listens to it, I'm going to have engaging conversations with people doing extraordinary things. So that was my initial, you know, space. And I thought, well, any anything else that it, it happens beyond that is just icing on the cake. That's wonderful. I do tell my clients and my students that like your top reason that will keep you going needs to be like altruistic or something that's really personally motivating. So altruistic would be to help my audience achieve blah, blah, blah. Or like you're saying that so for personal growth or get your voice out there, again, something really intrinsically motivating. So I yeah. love hearing that. From a practical perspective, though, what has been the most, like the biggest practical benefit you think you've gotten from podcasting so far? I would say probably three. The first benefit is that I had to learn a whole bunch of new technology. I like to learn, but also it's very difficult to make yourself learn something without a practical application. So I'm not, it's not going to stick if you don't have a reason, at least for me. So I had all sorts of software and actual equipment and best practices and platforms and this, that, and the other. So I just learned a lot of things and I loved it. The second thing, what I would say is I had recently hired an administrative assistant, or I guess I, w- I call her my executive assistant, and I was in the process of that struggle we talked about earlier, where it's easier to do the vacuuming than to teach your kid how to do it. And it forced me to systematize so many things that I was doing. And the podcast allowed me to do that easier because we were learning together. I hired her right at the time I started the, well, maybe two months before I started the podcast or maybe a month. And so we were using, are using still a product called Asana as a project management tool. And I said to her, okay, we're going to figure out how to do this. But every time you figure it out, I want you to document it as though you are teaching the next person. Mm-hmm. And I I just love her to death. And I said, I don't ever want you to leave my little company. But if you do, we're going to have this documented. So the next person is very easy to train. So I loved that benefit. It's been huge. It's And I, I can't say enough about that. Mm-hmm. And then I would say the third thing that I've gained from having my own podcast is I have a list of things that I've learned from each person that I've interviewed. It's been great because I'm choosing extraordinary people. It's been super fun. And I have learned so many things. I've talked to people from all over the world. And it's been a a big win. That's awesome. Love all of that. And so what would you say is the most personally rewarding part of podcasting so far? I actually really love people. I love engaging with people. And every interview is new and interesting. It's very energizing to me. And I, I can be having a bad day and I can go into an interview and I always come out the other side of it just so much lighter and happier. And even though I'm a happy person anyway, just like energized and buoyed up. 
I love this notion that in a way, they, my interviewees, are creating a community of people that I can, I, several of them I've become friends with and I can bounce back and send an email and say, hey, what are your thoughts about this? But it's in a way that isn't exhausting. I'm a natural introvert. And as a therapist, it was a huge win to be one-on-one. As a coach, it's a huge win. I do my coaching primarily virtually. The therapy space I did primarily in person. And while it was good, very, very good, it requires a lot of energy for me to hold the other person's emotions in this space and create a container for them to grow. Virtually, it takes half as much energy or maybe even a quarter as much energy. And so it has been such an interesting discovery to go, whoa, I can interact with people and have these deep, meaningful conversations that move the needle in their life. And it doesn't cost me what it used to cost me in terms of energy. But then when you do the podcasting thing, now you multiply that by, you know, depending on your audience size, a hundredfold or a thousandfold. I had somebody who I had known years ago reach out to me via text and said, oh my gosh, that podcast episode where you said blah, 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 it it wrecked me. It forced me to go out and buy a book. And I had to start thinking about this question that you asked. And she was all excited about it. And I've had men say that too. my audience. And I speak to both genders. And I love that being able to engage with people at a heart level, at a self-development level and have somebody else come away better. My whole premise is I want you to come in contact with me and leave better. But then as you're better, I want you to leave them better, your family, your business, and ultimately your world. There are so many people doing good, but there are also so many people who are somehow constrained by this sense of, oh my gosh, our world's going to hell in a handbasket, and you know, with COVID and the economy, and, and there's just so much negativity. And it's like, no, you can make a difference. Yeah. Listen to somebody who inspires you and then go inspire someone else. Totally. I don't know. I'm, yes. a, I'm just a big fan of you've only got one life, so do something with it. All of that is so beautiful. I just love everything you said there. It's fabulous. Thank you so much for sharing that. So how can listeners find you to learn more about you and your services? Leave better is one word. I'm contemplating separating it because nobody can seem to figure out it's one word, but it's all smushed together because I just think this stuff inside us is all smushed together, our strengths and our weaknesses. So the Leave Better podcast is on pretty much anywhere you can find podcasts. My website is leavebetter.com. My name is Miriam, M-I-R-I-A-M. And if you email me, Miriam at leavebetter.com, Instagram is at leavebetter. It's kind of all the same thing. Awesome. Tell us, you know, the clients that you prefer to work with and how you work with them. I love working with entrepreneurs and high performers. So if you are someone who is passionate about growing, I'm passionate about helping you grow. In general, I'm working with owners and founders of smaller companies, like two to 50 employees, 
generally they're in the 500,000 to 50 million category. I know that's a big category, but it is kind of what <laughs> is what it is. It is what it is. And I, I, I say, reach out to me and we have a conversation and then we decide how to work in a way that fits what it is you're, you need and what it is, you know, like, I think these sort of things can be kind of like goldfish bowls where however big the bowl is, is how big the fish gets and, and the other direction as well. Sometimes people want to meet weekly and we do that. Sometimes people want to meet once a month. Sometimes people want to develop their business systems. Most often what people say is, I know I could be more. I know my company could be more. I know there is another version of me that is bigger than this one, but I don't know how to get there and I'm stuck. And that's what I specialize in is helping people figure out that step that's going to let them expand into like the next version of them. By finding that bigger fishbowl. <laughs> exactly. I love, I love that. <laughs> Thank you so much, Miriam. This has been fabulous. I really appreciate your being here today. Uh, it's been a joy and a privilege. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast Launchpad. Be sure to follow so you don't miss a single episode. And if you have any comments or questions, feel free to email or send me a DM on Instagram. Follow the links in the show notes. I really appreciate you for being here. See you next time on the podcast Launchpad.